Welcome to Raise the Line with Osmosis.org, seeking solutions with leading experts on how to increase healthcare capacity so people can get the care they need during the COVID-19 crisis and beyond. Hi, I'm Shri it seems like there's always a lot of change happening in the oral health space with constantly evolving technology and business models, including direct to consumer, which we've talked about previously on Raise Line. Well, we have two dentists with us today who are also business leaders in the industry to discuss what's new, what's ahead, and how the industry has been impacted by COVID. I'm particularly interested in hearing about the role of digital health and innovative consumer-centric models in dentistry. I'm happy to welcome Dr. Jeremy Krell, a longtime investor and entrepreneur who is currently managing partner at Revere Partners, the first ever venture fund focused on oral health. And Dr. Ro Parikh, who was recently named president at Dental Bar in New York City, and who was previously the head of dentistry at Walmart Health. Ro is also an associate at Revere Partners. So Jeremy and Ro, thanks so much for taking the time to be with us today. Thank you so much for having us. Thanks for having us. Of course, you both are obviously trained as dentists and now are business leaders. And I know a lot about you and your background, but for our audience, many of whom are currently in dental school or pre-dental, obviously in, in other health professions too, can you share some of your, kind of what drew each of you to dentistry and then some career highlights? And maybe let's start with you, Jeremy, and then go to Ro. Yeah, sure. So I'm, I'm Jeremy, I'm a general dentist. I've been so for the better part of the last decade, went to Tufts Dental School. And I come from a medical family, nobody in dentistry and really saw the need for a lot of change in, in dentistry and was an attractive space for me to both be able to get the patient care aspect, but also be able to work on the technology side. I had an entrepreneurial itch from an early age. And so I started I've about 18 years of startup experience and an MBA. I started in tech and then to health tech and then to, to oral tech. So some of the companies in my background include, for example, Oscar Health, which had an IPO, uh, as well as Quip, which just did a, a Series B, and then my own management consulting firm, the Barchester Bay Group, and now Revere Partners. So sort of an alternative career track, I, although I do have several uh, dental offices, I also am now 100% focused on the business side of dentistry. So I'm, a, I'm what they call a dry finger dentist. I remember when we spoke before you came on the podcast, you introduced me to that term dry finger dentist, which is pr pretty funny and interesting. For anyone on our, who's listening who doesn't know that term, do you mind just explaining what that is? And then we'll go over to you, Ro, for your background. Yeah, this is sort of a mockery of the, of the 70s or so when you know dentists actually would not always wear gloves. So those were, you know, everybody was a wet finger dentist, right? They treat patients, meaning their fingers were actually wet. Uh, and then slowly, you know, gloves became part of the safety and compliance norm, first with, you know, individual finger gloves and then full hand gloves. Now a dry finger dentist has become one that does not practice. So sort of a funny shift in the name. Well, I'm a Roshan Parikh Rowe, also a dry finger dentist, but I'm born and raised in Chicago, went to dental school at UIC College of Dentistry, went to business school before dental school. When I graduated dental school, I wanted to, you know, kind of my whole career, I've always thought about the value proposition being for the patient versus for the doctor. And so the first office that I purchased in 2008, I extended the hours, added additional providers, made the facility larger, and started to have some success during a period of time in our country when it was a recession. But I didn't know that because I graduated with a whole bunch of student loan debt. So I, I was growing that and added specialty and had a few other offices that I started to acquire over the, the next few years and had myself a little group and had some private equity capital infusion and grew a, 
a DSO in, in Chicago, which is now 35 locations. Stepped away to do some advisory and consulting work. When I was starting to do that and got the business up and running in 2019, Walmart approached me about being head of dentistry for Walmart Health. And it was, you know, one of those couldn't pass up the opportunity. And so joined Walmart in 2019 and was there until uh, 2021 as we were building out Walmart Health, which is now in four states. And so left there and you know went back to advisory and consulting work and work with Jeremy and the Revere team and then started to learn more about a, a group in New York called Dental Bar and some great patient experience, doctor experience, and, and retail healthcare. So now I have an, a new operational role as a president of Dental Bar in New York, and albeit while I live in Atlanta. It's very exciting. And actually, it reminds me of how we first got in touch, Ro. As you know, my sister, Dr. Anushka Gaglani, we've had on the podcast, is running her own DSO with my brother-in-law, Abhishek Nagaraj. And she went to UIC Dental, I think, with your brother, or she yep. knows your brother as well. And then when you were working at Walmart Dental, we got connected probably through Marcus Osborne, who also has been on the uh, the podcast as well. So it's a very impressive career for both of you. And you've had a front row seat, both as practicing dentists who then have been very successful in business. So let's go into some of the broad trends that you're seeing in dentistry. Obviously, pretty much everyone who's listening to this podcast at least has a mouth. So at least consumes some sort of dental tech or goes to a dentist, hopefully regularly so they could at least be consumers of products you're building or investing in, let alone many of them are actually in dental school. We work with several dental schools at Osmosis and do dental education too. So maybe let's stick with you first, Row, and then go to you, Jeremy. What are some of the big picture changes you've seen over the last, say, five, 10 years or other things that have maybe accelerated because of COVID, things that you think our audience should know are happening? And we mentioned direct-to-consumer telehealth, customer centricity, these are some themes we've seen across the podcast. But in your own words, what are some things that you're most excited about changing? I think over the last five to 10 years, you've seen more and more consolidation in, in dentistry. I like, you know, it's a cousin or a distant cousin to medicine. So you've seen a lot of consolidation and growth in terms of number of groups, number of groups that have institutional capital and backing from private equity funds. With that, I think that we see more and more sophistication in terms of dental groups and DSOs. And then the sophistication, a lot of it is much focused around the human sophistication as it is the using technology to make a more seamless and better patient experience or better provider experience. So I think we're seeing more and more technology in dentistry and oral tech, which I know Jeremy will talk about even more. I, I think that that is very interesting to me. And then if you accelerate throughout the COVID and the pandemic, I think that money value of time has its like highest currency value that it's ever had. So people are looking at how do I, the same way that we're in three different states and we're communicating today, how do I see my physician or my dentist in a teleway because it's what I want and what I'm used to. You know, I was surprised that my mom knew how to use a QR code and now she's fluent in it. So yeah, that's a great point. I mean, it seems, seems like it's become a must have and different groups that had been left behind by technology. It became a necessity, it seemed during the pandemic. And definitely we're seeing like one of our investors is a guy named Alan Patrikoff and his whole fund primetime partners focuses on technology for elderly. And it's become kind of table stakes for a lot of people who are over 60, 70, 80 at this point. But Jeremy, sorry, I interrupted. Go ahead. What were you about to add? No, I interrupted. I was going to say, you know, it's I mentioned the QR code. It's 
it's seen its sort of heyday right now because the restaurant industry, right, has kind of ditched the paper menu. And I think onto the QR code. So I saw an article the other day that that is the launch uh, of, of the official launch of, of the QR code, seeing more usage than it ever has because of, of restaurant menus. That's a really good point. I got to check out that article. And that's actually a good segue into the work you do. I know when we connected before I brought you onto the podcast, I was just really impressed with your pedigree, Oscar Health, Quip, some of these leading brands in consumer health or consumer centric healthcare and digital health. And then Revere Partners, all the things you're doing there. So maybe you can give us a, a bit of background on Revere and then also answer the question around trends you're seeing in the space that have been accelerated by COVID. Yeah, absolutely. So Revere is, you know, kind of the first and only VC fund in oral health. It's global. We really, we launched the fund in early 2021. We were in stealth mode for about 18 to 20 months prior to that. So it's about a two to three year old fund. The fund has done three major accomplishments to date. You know, first and foremost, research. We've created this huge database of early stage oral health transactions that tell us how startups in this space perform in a statistically significant way. Second, we built this world-class team, about a 75 dental leaders, inclusive of Roe. And in addition to that, we went and fundraised and structured the fund in a very creative way where it you know, stays open, which allows us for kind of ultimate flexibility in what we do. We invest in what we say, anything oral tech or anything inside the four walls of the practice. And we look at deals that are seed, series A, post-series A stage, as long as they have an application to oral health. In terms of trends, you know, there's no right way to kind of answer this question, but I see at least six major buckets. One of them would be kind of SaaS and software, right? And a lot goes in there, but think AI for dentistry is one, or patient engagement tools that live in that digital ecosystem. The next area, kind of biotech, also can include a lot of things. Think 3D printers, think implants. I think third is, is this area of consumer products. So think upmarket premium products, direct consumer and, and doctor-driven models. Think Quip, think aligner platforms. And then you see you know, this area of fintech, paytech, insurtech, if you will, things that help that process, help meet consumer demands and how we can pay and do it affordably finance things and afford things in dentistry. There's maybe this fifth area around access to care and prevention, which can be all anything from digital to physical diagnostics. And then lastly, maybe would be oral systemic health links, these areas where dentistry sort of crosses with the rest of the body and our health, um, you know, whether that is our brain health and, and, you know, neuromuscular health, whether it's our cardiac health, whether it's our, the list goes on from there in terms of really proven linkages between the two. I think two high-level things to look at in oral health this year, these are not necessarily tech buckets per se, uh, you know, they're more sort of philosophical and industry goals. I think one is we really need to heavily even the playing field in terms of the resources that different groups within our profession are seeing. So I call these the PGTOs, this, this term I learned recently, the power groups targeted for oppression, right? So the women in our industry, in addition to that, the LGBTQ community, you have true minorities, right? Every dentistry, you know, is a laggard in some ways, even though there's so much innovation. Some of these groups, if we're being, you know, for thinking about it, really are impacted by the lack of resources amplified to them. And I think the other area is everybody thinks of off the top of their cuff, some of the tech buckets that I mentioned before, because they're sexy, because they're quick returners. We sometimes leave out the technologies that have a really significant clinical trial pathway or regulatory pathway. These things can be groundbreaking. They just take a while and they take a lot of resources. And sometimes they're involving the non-sexy backend, the plumbing, so to speak, of how the dental office works. And I think those are just as important 
as those more front-facing, intuitive tech buckets or startup buckets, if you will. So that's how I would capture the industry and, and where it is today and where it's going. That's really, really great. Uh, very insightful. Thanks for that. And it reminds me of uh, one of my favorite Raise Line podcast episodes was with Dr. Richard Park, who is in New York. He runs Ascend Partners and helped scale out as a founding C-level urgent care centers across New York. And he made two points that echo what you're saying, Jeremy, too. One is, you know, his new company through Ascend Partners is Render Care Physicians. It's how do we provide the best primary care experience to traditionally underrepresented groups in like Chinatowns across different uh, urban centers, uh, you know, not necessarily native English speakers, not very high income necessarily as well, but how do we create an experience for them and higher rates of hepatitis B and other, other conditions. So kind of speaks to your diversity, equity, and inclusion aspect there, Jeremy. And the second is the, the less sexy things, right? Like the reason they were able to scale the urgent care centers everywhere was that they realized that most physicians were just not even doing standard of care, right? Like they had some physicians who, came, who when somebody came in, they would send 2% of their patient population to the ER and others who would send 20%. That's a 10X magnitude difference. The less sexy things of just getting people to follow the guidelines and checklists were actually the things that led to the most growth and most improvement in health outcomes that he found. So similarly, I think we all get very caught up and excited about things like the metaverse, and we overestimate the impact those things will have in the short term and eventually underestimate the impact in the long term. So those are really good points. You know, moving back to you, Ro, because you've you've worked in leadership roles now at some of these leading companies, Walmart, Dentistry, you helped start that, and now Dental Bar. Can you talk to us a bit about both of those experiences and how the landscape has shifted there? Plus what you're most excited about with Dental Bar. I've, I only heard about it once you became president of it, so. Yeah, I mean, when you're, uh maybe two ends of the spectrum when health, I think Walmart health and wellness is 75,000 employees, but it, it Walmart health wanted to, and, and wants to solve the access to care problem or help in their own way when dental or primary care, optometry, audiology, taking advantage of the 160 million Americans that go to Walmart every week. And out of that, it's, I think the average person goes two times a week from that. So it's like, if that's already something that's in their routine of where they go, what can you do to have convenient hours, convenient services and transparent pricing? That experience was, I mean, phenomenal being able to start from the ground up when we didn't have anything in dental to having 20 plus sites now. It's such a neat experience. We were working also at Walmart Health, looking at the kind of the mouth is a part of the whole body. And if you needed a medical clearance, you could go down the hall and there was your primary care or a primary care physician that can look at the blood pressure and look to sign off on it so that you can take out an infected tooth. Those things made it very interesting and very fruitful. You know, we were starting to look at like what the oral healthcare aisle, when you look at Walmart and look at the inside, like the retail box, what does the oral healthcare aisle of the future look like? I mean, we've all been to a Walmart, a Walgreens, a CVS, a Dwayne Reed, and you stand in that oral healthcare aisle and two out of three of us are dentists. And if I forgot my toothbrush somewhere or, or didn't know what toothpaste to buy, like, I mean, there's so many choices. There's way too many. 
looking at the oral healthcare aisle of the future and how much more consultative it could be, or looking to use your own metrics and make it more personalized, that care model, I think, you know, makes a lot of sense. And even on the consumer side, I think it makes a lot of sense. So that experience, I mean, multiple facets, so interesting. And then going from that to being a part of a startup like Dental Bar that has four locations right now in Manhattan, street level visibility. You know, our Chelsea location is on 26th and 6th and it's gets a hundred thousand eyeballs of, of just people walking by a day. So it's like going from a juggernaut and a fortune one company like Walmart and using a lot of that experience, plus my, my clinical experience to, to then focus on a, a startup is, is definitely two different sides of the spectrum, but obviously very applicable because it's the center of all of it is patient and patient care. That's definitely exciting. And, you know, understanding how retail intersects with the consultative aspects. We've seen that with Apple, uh, the probably the most successful example of a retail strategy that became very consultative and led to great brand loyalty. And clearly seeing what dental bar and what consumer centric patient first companies like that can be doing to make people more connected to their oral health. Because as Jeremy was mentioning, hopefully most of our learners at this point know that there are proven linkages between your oral health and your cardiovascular health and your microbiome health and all sorts of other aspects. And we're just at the beginning of some of that research too, which would be very exciting. I know we're coming up in time, so I don't, I want to be really mindful of your busy schedule. So I have two more questions for each of you. The first is again, given our audience is primarily current and future healthcare professionals, many of whom are in dentistry, what advice would you give them? about meeting the challenges of the COVID pandemic and beyond and just approaching their career in healthcare and business, dry finger dentistry, if that's what they choose, et cetera. And maybe let's start with you, Jeremy, and then go to Euro. Yeah, you know, I think you really need to look at where the industry is going, right? There's an article that predicts kind of 2022 projections uh, on our reverepartnersvc.com website under resources. And, you know, we talk about a few key areas there, right? One of them, and these are backed by dental tech startups as well. One of them is alleviating burnout, right? Through innovation, staffing in an office, everything from recruitment to retention to training and implementation. These are difficult areas, right? People are, there's a great resignation going on right now, right? Uh, and, and so it's important that you, you think about what it is that balance in your work, what's going to be satisfying, what is sustainable for you. And how are you going to sustain that in your office? And these are new norms kind of post-COVID. Uh, you know, another is what tools can help, you know, in areas that were otherwise sitting there spending lots of inefficient time in the, in the operational throughput of a practice. One of them mentioned on this call already is more AI tools, right? Look for areas where you can work smarter, not harder, and how that affects your clinical practice post-COVID. How do we reach patients, right? We know that they're not coming into the office. <laughs> COVID has only amplified that they're fearful of coming in or that they, you know, it's another excuse not to be there. So what are the high-tech solutions that can help us reach a broader audience, right? What are the different models? Is it mobile dentistry? Is it teledentistry? Is it some kind of niche use cases of those that help bring our care to more people or more people to our care, but in a, you know, a different way? And maybe last but not least, or more and more, I think there's acceptance of viewing oral care in the, in the context of improved medical outcomes. So what are some solutions that can deliver truly mouth and body value adds to the patient, which I think ultimately is going to be greater value to them, more sticky, if you will, right? Can we tell them something about their saliva, right? Their, their genetics? Can we diagnose things, but not just diagnose them? Can we actually give them a way to treat that problem? I think those areas are really kind of the, the future and kind of the post-COVID new norm changes. 
Totally. That makes a lot of sense. And I love how you pose those questions because, you know, if you're a student listening to this right now, the practice environment and the consumer health environment you're going to be graduating into is very different now or in five years than it was 10 years ago. It's like not your dad's or mother's dentistry. And so just asking yourself those questions, at least one or two of the questions Jeremy just posed, I think is very productive. It could lead to you maybe forming a business that then Jeremy and Roe invest in through Revere Partners. So I definitely keep your eyes and ears open to that. How about you, Ro? What, what advice would you give to our audience? Mine is going to be uh, far on the qualitative side. I, I think that as much as like our or oral tech in our world is spinning as fast as it is, I really think that networking and goodwill matters. Like when you find mentors, whether it's like inside of your university or the first group that you join, like being able to use that mentorship and networking, I think is just as valuable, if not more valuable now being in a hybridized environment. A lot of the dental students that I help mentor, I I tell them like, you should get to a conference. I mean, or you should mine LinkedIn and find people that you want to network with. I mean, for probably for all three of us, the messages that we get, I mean, I spend a lot of time, we all spend a lot of time wanting to return those messages because you want to pay it forward and you want to not only leave the industry in a better place than you found it, but you want that generation to surpass what we're able to do right now. So I love that advice. It's very close to our heart. And again, how we got connected, right, was through those kind of personal relationships and, and genuine interest, curiosity, and respect for for the work that you guys do and and we each do. So my last question is, is there anything else that you'd want our audience to know about you, about Revere Dental Bar, about the industry as a whole, or or anything else? Open question. And let's start with you, Ro, and then go and end with you, Jeremy. I think that the patient convenience part matters. Like Dental Bar, we're open seven days a week. And so that retail aspect of healthcare is the broad convenience being for the patient, even at Walmart Health, we are open seven days a week. It really seems to matter more and more to the patient population because coming out of COVID, I think that people want to spend more time with their family and and less time doing traveling or doing some other things. So I, I think that being more open to knowing that maybe the four best days of the week to work are Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, not, and, and having weekdays off, you know, whereas that seems non-traditional if I told my mom that, but I know a lot of folks that do that. Providers. Yep. That makes sense. And, and how about you, Jeremy, final word on, on anything else you'd like our audience to learn about you and Revere and et cetera. Yeah. Two things, you know, one is to kind of echo Rowan and, and in closing this term retail healthcare is, has become quite popular now to me, as I break that down, wearing both the clinician hat and the business hat is we as providers need to be able to look up from our clinical workflow, understand that we're running a business and that we're running a business in 2022 and that we need to meet consumer demands, right? Consumers do things in other verticals. You're a consumer. You know, each one of the providers out there is a consumer, right? You know how you pay for things in other verticals. You know how you like the convenience and and, and how you order things and how you engage with different platforms in other verticals. Consumers want to see that in oral healthcare too. So I understand that there are rigid workflows and ways that we're taught to do things. Think outside the box, right? Because you know time is is a continuum, right? Things are always evolving, and so our workflows can also change. I think in terms of Revere, yeah, please please visit ReverePartnersVC.com. Those interested in investing, if they come in with code Osmosis22, we'll have a discounted fee. Very much looking forward to hearing from the community, and so glad we were able to be here today. 
Likewise, Jeremy and Road, really impressed with everything you've done, and I'm excited to watch the space of oral healthcare and consumer-driven healthcare in general. So with that, thank you so much for taking the time to be with us on Raise the Line, and more importantly, for the decades collectively you two have put into improving patient care and raising the line. Thank you so much for having us. Thanks, Shiv. Awesome. And with that, I'm Shiv Iglani. Thank you to our audience for checking out today's show, and remember to do your part to flatten the curve and raise the line. We're all in this together. Take care. For more information on how you can help raise the line and flatten the curve, go to osmosis.org slash COVID-19. If you like this podcast, please share it on your social channels. You can also subscribe to the series and check out all of our podcasts at osmosis.org slash raise the line podcast. <laughs>